Welcome to the Advent Calendar House, now with 97% less Advent! I'm giant alien monster about to be shot at by a bazooka-wielding Santa Claus, Mike Westfall, and this is what I hope will be our first annual Hanukkah episode. And I am thrilled to have as my guest my longtime internet pal, the co-host of another brand new podcast called Pilot House. We're all in houses now. I like it. Yeah. Uh, the multi-talented Sarah Shea is here. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Mike. I'm so excited that you are here. Before we begin, won't you please tell us about your new show? Oh, well, uh, it's a podcast about uh, TV pilots uh, where me and a friend of mine, uh, Strangely Duesberg, an uh, awesome fellow musician and uh, circus performer, also from here in Washington. Hi, I'm from Seattle. Uh, and we take the pilot episodes of shows we've otherwise never seen. We watch those and then try to kind of figure out where the show is going from there. But we're mostly watching shows that are like long off the air. So it's funny. We sit there trying to figure out where Charmed was going. And <laughs> people will hopefully listen to the podcast and like be yelling at the podcast like, no, you're wrong. Or holy crap, how did you guess? That's a good show to either to either yell at or just be excited about. But <laughs> yeah. your first episode uh, w with Charmed dropped just this week as we were recording. So yeah. please do check that out, folks. Uh, and I can't wait to hear more. But today, I'm very happy to have you here to discuss a Rugrats Hanukkah. Ba -ba. Uh, spelled with a C here, but I believe you're on Team No C. Are there teams? There probably aren't teams. You know, I prefer uh, no C, two Ks, and an H on the end. That's my personal preference. However, this spelling is like my second favorite, the C-H-A-N-U-K-A-H. I think it's the most conventional one. It's probably why they picked it. Okay. Yeah. I know. I just know that the Associated Press uses uh, your preferred spelling, so that's what I used uh, w when I was in journalism for <laughs> way too long. But, well, good job, AP. I know what's up. Yes. <laughs> now, as someone who grew up watching so much Christmas on TV, I know I've wondered before, why are there so few Hanukkah specials this time of year? And I believe you were one of the first people to clarify to me that Hanukkah is religiously a minor holiday on the Jewish calendar. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, it is no more significant or important than a number of other holidays that most people who aren't Jewish have not heard of, like Sukkot or... Um, God, I'm like a bad Jew and I'm totally blanking. Purim. <laughs> I would say Purim's Purim. almost better, more important than Hanukkah, maybe? I don't know. Purim, see, Hanukkah is Jewish Christmas. A Purim is Jewish Halloween. There you go. <laughs> so it was always my favorite growing up. I mean, Hanukkah's pretty good. You get presents. But Purim, you get to dress up and go to a fair like or a carnival or something like that. Really? Yeah. And uh, it's good times. It's like second Halloween. Loved it. Oh, wow. Good one. We, okay, we need to get on that. Get, get some Purim specials out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've never seen a Purim special. Uh, Veggie Tales did an episode where they told the story of Purim. Really? But they did it very badly. I was very upset with them. Yeah, well, it's it, it's Veggie Tales. <laughs> right. They were like, hmm, how do we tell this story that is absolutely a Jewish story? It, it, it is not significant especially to it's not you know it's not from the new testament so it's a jewish right. story how do we tell this story without using the word jewish ever that's strange yeah it was a weird approach they were like oh esther don't tell anyone you're from our family the king doesn't like people from our family oh no i'm watching it like excuse me veggie tales say the word say the word anyway oh that's bad but yeah there should be some poor ones honestly there should be some more uh passover ones because 
as many Jews have said, Passover is more like Jewish Christmas than Hanukkah yeah. is in terms of the significance. Like if you're going to if you don't live where your family lives and you're going to travel home for one holiday of the year, it's not Hanukkah. It's going to be Passover. It's Passover. Yeah. Okay. I- I've seen a few more Passover specials. There was one. I remember it was Claymation. Ooh. And I think it was called The Animated Haggadah. Oh, yes. I have seen that, but not since I was a kid. Okay. I haven't seen it since I was a kid either, but for some reason, it was on TV constantly, and I was glued to it because claymation, but uh, yeah. it, it, it was very well done. Yeah. I think the the Rugrats Passover special is probably the, the best one, the most iconic. Actually, watching the Hanukkah special, I realized that I remembered very little about this episode everything i thought i remembered about it i was realizing oh no that that happened in the passover special i thought i remembered uh, angelica being cast as the villain but that's she's the pharaoh in the passover special oh of course she is in the hanukkah one she's she's barely in the story yeah she's kind of a side character she has her own little plot going on that we'll get into in a minute but the hanukkah special is actually the first episode of the revived rugrat series and i only know that because the internet told me but oh uh Rugrats had initially ended a three-season run in 1995 with the Passover special. That was their season three finale. Wow. I wouldn't know that. I mean, I didn't know. I don't think cartoons really had announced seasons as kids. Yeah. But that's how it's listed on Wikipedia. But then Nickelodeon brought it back for six more seasons, all starting with this Hanukkah special, which aired on December 4th, 1996. Wow. You know, I was surprised when I went to look it up to find out what episode it was, and I saw that it was episode one of season four. I was like, that seems like a weird thing to start a season with, with the Hanukkah special. Like, kind of seemed ballsy. It seems even more so now that I know it. they were coming back from a break. Right. Well, they came back from a break, and it was just this special, and then... The next episode didn't air until, I want to say, May. So this was the only new Rugrats episode to debut in the year 1996, which is some weird trivia there. Good to know. I bet a lot of kids watched it being like, yay, Rugrats is back. And then we're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I don't think any of us cared or realized just like, oh, I've seen this episode before. That was just not a new thing that I followed new episodes as, as a kid. And it was just cartoons are on. Yeah, that's a good point. Although I was very stoked about this episode, and the, I remember this episode and the Passover special, mm-hmm. those they were very significant because we just didn't have like anything resembling accurate representation of Judaism in kids shows. Like every now and then there would be like a nod to Hanukkah existing, but you didn't see something like this where it actually felt very real. Like that—that's what it's like, right? Just like that in a Sesame Street Christmas special where Bob um, has a stack full of presents and Mr. Hooper uh, is walking past. They're talking and then Bob says, oh, and Mr. Hooper, happy Hanukkah and giving a little knowing nod. And it's just like, I got you, buddy. (laughs) And that was the first time I ever heard of the words. I was like, what's a Hanukkah? And my parents explained it to me. I totally forgot that Mr. Hooper was canonically Jewish. That makes me so happy. Yes. We got we got him. Mr. Hooper's on our team. There you go. <laughs> and I, for y'all listening to at home, I am Catholic and was taught in religious education way back when I was a tiny child that the Hanukkah story must be revered as a very important part of Jewish history. But I think oh. I also focused 
too much on the title Festival of Lights, and I'm thinking, festival, it's like a giant candle party, (laughs) y'all. Celebrating a miracle of oil and a rebellion against the Empire. It's it's a holiday about Star Wars. You have a Star Wars holiday. Yeah, you said that to me earlier, and I was like, I never thought of it that way, and it makes me so happy that as a child, you made a Star Wars connection. Because you're like, oh, rebelling against an empire. I know what that's about. That makes me really happy. (laughs) See? Star Wars holiday. I'm taking it. I wonder if parents now who who grew up with us watching Star Wars as children kind of tie that in. It's just like, it's like Star Wars. Here, let me explain. Yeah. It's very similar. <laughs> yeah. Some, someday we'll have a movie with a really creepy CGI King Antiochus, and it'll be really unsettling. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then someday Ryan Johnson will direct the Hanukkah story. It'll be amazing. Perfect. If not this weekend, then what? <laughs> he owes me. We'll see. There you go. Well, let's dive in. We start a little differently from most Rugrats episodes with Tommy's maternal grandmother, Minka, telling the story of Hanukkah. But we're seeing it from, I guess, Tommy's imagination? Yeah. It's interesting. I was actually surprised that it starts off with that. They don't start with the framing device of showing Grandma with the storybook. It just launches right into the story, which seems kind of ballsy, like could potentially alienate kids who are like, what's this? But I think I'm overthinking it. Kids just go, cartoons, yay. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I, I was on board. Yeah. The whole series right out of the gate tells us babies are highly intelligent. So I think it's plausible to say Tommy's imagining himself. And the role is as Judah Maccababy as he. Yeah. Oh, so cute. <laughs> Maccababies. I love that. One thing I liked about Rugrats is it was just joke after joke after joke. And most of it is things like that being just certain words misspoken by a bunch of toddlers. The whole show is just nine seasons of excuse me while I kiss this guy. Yeah. Well, I actually once read online, like, that apparently at the time, there were parents who, like, had issues with Rugrats. They didn't want their kids to watch Rugrats because they thought that kind of joke only confused kids further. It That kind of joke plays for adults, but for the kids, it just confused them more. And I'm like... You know, not every show has to be hyper-educational. Like, just go with it. Yeah, well, even the ones that were. That I, I'm bringing back Sesame Street again because I remember people complaining about Elmo speaking in the third person. It's like, people are going to... No, they'll figure it out. And no. it's teach them that that's a thing that Elmo does. He's yeah. three and a half. Yeah. Cookie Monster says me instead of I. That's right. fine. Kids can understand that that's what Cookie Monster does. It doesn't make it correct. Right. I mean, my son is doing a thing where he uses the word her instead of the word she when he uh, when he's talking about his mm-hmm. sisters or, or any woman in the third person. But, I mean, he'll get over it. He's three. Yeah. He'll fig- kids figure it out. They're fine. Yeah. They're resilient. I actually kept a count of all the, I was calling them babyisms. Oh, good one. So all the little wordplays. Yeah. Um, fun fact, uh, the babyism count and the Yiddish count were neck and neck. Wow. Keeping track of both. Yep. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Just as many uh, Yiddish words as babyisms. Do you have Not numbers bad. on those? Uh, yeah, eight of each. Eight of each. Appropriately. Very nice. <laughs> was that intentional? Oh, I probably not. Oh. Probably not. I don't think the Rugrats writers were... I wish I could give them that much credit. Yeah. Uh, that would be quite a fun uh, Easter egg. Uh, seems an appropriate term, but... <laughs> Actually, it's just a, a happy mirable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good times. So they're setting up the scene with King Antiochus' army coming in and tells all the Jewish babies they have to wear what he wears and read what he reads. And Chucky has a good throwaway joke. Right here, look, Tommy, a whole book about Plato. 
Yeah. And then it's a book by the philosopher. Plato. Plato. Uh-huh. That was the first babyism of the episode. The first one right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, then they add, you also have to worship its gods. And we pan to a giant statue of Cynthia, Angelica's mm-hmm. doll and the Barbie of this universe. But the statue has Cynthia's hair cut and tangled like it is on Angelica's <laughs> specific doll. Yeah. The actual Cynthia, as we'll see later in the same episode, has this voluminous blonde hair. But but again, we're in Tommy's imagination, I'm assuming. So it fits. Yeah, I don't know that I ever really processed as a child that Angelica's doll was supposed to look like the much beloved doll of a little girl who had tried to maybe cut or style the doll's hair and now the doll's hair was all crazy. I don't think I ever processed that. That's just what Cynthia looked like, and I never thought about her having weird hair. Right. I definitely didn't process that until, I think, this episode, because I think later in the episode we see Cynthia has a Christmas special that Angelica really, really, really wants to watch, and that is her entire, that's the entire B-plot of this episode. Yeah. Uh, And you see Cynthia on TV with this this long blonde hair. Yeah, she looks like Barbie, basically. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. She's she's Barbie. She wouldn't have that crazy hair. That crazy hair is because... Angelica is a child, and she loves that doll. Yes. I'm surprised my daughters haven't done the same thing with their Barbie. Well, they, I mean, they have Barbies. They just, they live in a drawer 90% of the time. They're into more, like, other characters we have little toys of. Yeah. So. I think I one time cut the hair of one of my, uh, my little ponies, and then... My mom had to explain to me, you know, it's not going to grow back. Oh, no. Oh, crap. <laughs> and so I didn't do it again. So none of my other toys got their hair cut or styled because I yeah. found out, oh, yeah, my little ponies, the hair does not grow back. No. Nope. Screw it up. Sorry. Uh, I think Parasol maybe was the one. Parasol. Sorry, Parasol. I don't know that one. She was yellow. She had little purple uh, umbrellas on her butt. Of course. I don't know if she's in the new show. But... I don't believe so. As someone who has <laughs> seen the My Little Pony movie in the theater with all three of his children and listens to the soundtrack pretty much every day on the way to school. I'm so sorry. Yes. Well, I mean, Christmas has been a nice break because like, nope, we're listening to this now. Yeah. There you go. There, is, there hasn't been a very special My Little Pony Christmas. Not that I know of, at least not a soundtrack for one. All right. But so we, we did watch the Trolls Holiday special last week. Oh, Lordy. That was, yeah, that was... <laughs> it, it wasn't as bad as I was expecting it to be going in. Uh, it, it wasn't great, but it was passable. Uh, the soundtrack to that is... Eh. Like even compared, like the the Trolls movie had a whole, it's a whole bunch of covers by Anna Kendrick and Justin Timberlake and oh, everybody else fun. in that movie. Yeah, I mean it, it's well done, but this is this was very much a cash grab. And fine, enjoy your cash. But did you ever see? I'm sorry, we're getting so off topic. But did that's you okay. Ever see, Tangents are welcome. There was a direct to video Trolls movie in the 90s when Trolls were really hip, but oh, it wasn't animated. Yes. It was like like giant people in suits. I, oh, I thought it was puppets. I don't. It's, it's been it so puppets? long since I watched it. But all I remember is that they had there was a troll singing uh, old time rock and roll. That song. It was like all covers. I think it's the singing. same one I'm thinking of. One has yeah, they probably. do like uh, the whitest hip hop dance ever at one point. <laughs> it was the '90s. That was happening. Oh, anyway, yeah. back to Rugrats. Back to Rugrats. <laughs> we see Tommy and Chucky trying to read their old books, which is a scroll with pop-up book scenes of Noah and yeah. Jonah and Moses. And That's Tommy cute. Tommy has a, another great line. These are the books our forefathers read and our five fathers and our six fathers. And I'm not stopping now. Babyism number two. Babyism number two. 
Well, of course, they get caught, and the Greek soldier takes their scrolls, and Tommy goes forth with his sword and shield and goes right into babyism number three. A Macca baby's got to do what a Macca baby's got to do. Oh, you know, I did not include that in my babyism count because oh. it seemed more like a fun pun than a than them making a mistake. But I guess it gets it counts. I guess it should count. So maybe one more babyism. I think you do. Yeah, here's your. It's the best one, so I don't know why I didn't count it. Like, no, right, that's that's, that's, that's the phrase that pays for this episode. That's the one everyone yeah. remembers because that's the one on every trailer or every commercial for it. The line from this that was the most memorable to me is, of course, I'll, I'll save it for when we actually get to that point. But. I have one that may or may not be it, but uh, that, that's not a babyism, but, but it, is, it is a joke. Yeah, but we'll get there. We will see. But at this point, we cut back to reality, and, and Grandma Minka has to stop reading the story to help Dee Dee in the kitchen with the latkes. And I was expecting way more latke jokes in this. Yeah. Because I guess I'm used to, like, the other three or so Hanukkah specials I've seen in my life. Which really focus on latkes. They this really is, yeah. bang that point home for all of those. But Yeah. Well, the, the weirdest part is Chaz goes potatoes water and salt i don't know that just doesn't seem like a pancake to me and i'm like well jesus it's not a latka either you've got to put eggs and matzo meal in there what are you guys doing potatoes <laughs> water and salt you're not gonna that's not gonna fry into anything that's just gonna be like i mean that's not gonna stay in a pancake shape no that was the, everything else was so surprisingly accurate and like really they got a lot of little details right so that was weird I don't know. maybe chaz was supposed to be wrong on purpose but do you think Didi would correct him and be like Chaz, don't be ridiculous. You would think. And gluten in here, like, just potatoes and salt. Nah. Sorry. But at this point, Grandpa Boris has his line about the latkes. The miracle is these things have clogged our people's arteries for 2,000 years, yet we survive. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I love the Grandpa character so much. I don't remember, like, loving him this much. But I guess as a kid, I was just like, yes, that's what grandfathers are like. Whatever. But now I'm like, oh, it made me miss my papa. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> See, I only I I grew up with only one grandfather who was alive at the time that I was alive, and he was just from Philly. Yeah, I mean, he was German ancestry, but but he just had his Philadelphia accent. I don't really remember a lot about him, so I didn't have like the old country grandparents. Yeah, well, my mom's dad, my my, I was raised a Jewish. Uh, my mom converted when she married my dad. She was actually raised Lutheran, uh, okay. Norwegian Lutheran from the Midwest, and her dad actually died when she was very young. So. I never met him. To me, right. grandparents were, like, you know, grandfathers at least were pretty Jewish to me. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> my, my grandfather's family was from uh, Moldova, and my grandmother's family was from Romania. Okay. Although at the time, we didn't actually know that. We found that out later about Moldova. We just knew that when they left, it was Russia. There you go. We weren't totally sure where it was. They kind of went, I don't know, this was the name of the village? It was Russia when we left? Like, I don't know what it's called now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> that whole history gets messy when you're in that area of the world. A little bit. Just a tad. <laughs> but, you know. You know what? There's a weird part of this scene when they're in the kitchen. Dee Dee calls her dad Boris. She calls him by his first name twice in this episode. She doesn't call him dad. She calls Mink a mom. Right. I did catch that. I'm like, wait a minute. She calls Stu's dad Pops, but she calls her dad Boris? For a second, I had this weird moment of like, this isn't some kind of weird thing where her mom remarried and like Boris isn't actually her dad. No, they're her parents. Oh, yeah. They're clearly... Hmm. 
Yeah, I don't know. That was really weird. She calls him Boris twice in the episode. She does not call him dad. It's very weird. I'm trying to rationalize it in my head now. Like, well, she's talking to Chaz about Boris. Yeah. Yeah, the first time. But I don't do that when I talk about my parents to my wife or friends. I say my mom, my dad. Especially when they're in the same room and it's clear who you'd be talking about. It's not like to be confused. That's true, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, I don't, I don't know why they did that. It was weird. Didn't catch it in writing. <laughs> also in the kitchen, our main p- plot point is revealed. Boris and the other seniors of his synagogue are staging a play about the meaning of Hanukkah. And the newspaper includes a photo of not Boris, who's playing Judah Maccabee, but his childhood rival, Shlomo, whom Boris says always tried to outdo him. Yeah. Oh, we have our first two Yiddish moments. And he sees uh, that Shlomo is in the newspaper. He says, Oigewalt, which is basically the same as Oive. <gasps> and then when he's complaining about Shlomo, he says, Ganef, which is thief. Uh, and it, it's a little bit weird that they put it in there, but I'm like... Eh, he kind of stole his limelight by getting his picture in the paper, so I guess that works. Okay. I'm so glad you, I have you on this episode to explain all of these <laughs> for me, and that you took count. Oh, yeah. Listeners, as soon as Mike said he was going to do a podcast about Christmas specials, I was like, dibs on Rugrats Hanukkah. That's for me. Oh, and thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for jumping right in. Just Was this your favorite one growing up? Because I know that, I, again, I only know of three or four Hanukkah specials in existence. You know... I didn't remember it as well as I thought I did, but thinking about it, I can't remember the Hanukkah episodes of any other shows from my childhood, so clearly okay. this is the one that stood yeah. out the most. I think this was the only one that felt, like, real. I mean, I think it was certainly the only one where the main character was Jewish. I mean, true. Tommy is, you know, being raised in an interfaith household. Mm-hmm. They never explicitly... Religion isn't a big part of the show. Right. Um, but... The main character is ostensibly in this episode Jewish. Yeah. His family is the one celebrating. It's not the main character goes to a friend's house and the friend has to show up and be like, and it's always a friend that they make up for the episode. Like, there's, it's. I feel like there was never. They went, oh, why don't we make a existing character Jewish? We could, just, we could do that. Nope. It was always like, oh, hey, it's my random friend David from school that you've never met before. <laughs> so, I, this, this I think really stood out to us as kids because we were like, yeah. He's one of ours. Tommy Pickles is officially one of us. Boom. Let's go back to the long-standing childhood rivalry that Boris yeah. has. That seems to come up a lot in fiction. I had never had a rival growing up, did you? No, not at all. I mean, I had like kids who bullied me in school, but they didn't remain my rival past elementary school, much less into adulthood. Right. Even as yeah. I think back about people, I mean, everybody gets bullied or even just pushed around a little bit, or I mean... Everybody that I know, but when I think about that, they're just, they were just annoying kids. Yeah. It does seem weird that they decided to go with that plot point, especially establishing that this is a guy he grew up with in Russia, and they both ended up uh, living in the same town when they came to the U.S. Like, right. I did seems... wonder about that. I, maybe they all, I don't know came over together and they all kind of settled in the same area. It seems like a stretch, but this is a children's show, so I guess we can let it slide. (laughs) They were trying... I feel like they came up with the joke, the meanie of Hanukkah, and then they had to work back from there to justify it. it. You know, the way that some of these uh, babyisms come up, I think you're on the money there. Yeah. So they went, okay, so there has to be a villain. Uh, How do we do that? And they came up with this rival story, which, you know, why not? It's a kid's show. It's fine. It's a little odd, but 
it works. Then we cut back to the babies with some more babyisms, including cradles that don't taste like clay, mm-hmm. and they uh, the chocolate geld coins don't taste as good as the monies under the couch, which I thought <laughs> was a nice line. That's Phil and Lil, who are who are just a joy. Oh, they're so good. Honestly, the voice acting on the show was so good. I obviously I didn't have any awareness of that as a child, and I haven't rewatched any Rugrats. No, me neither. Since I mean, I might have rewatched the Hanukkah or Passover specials at some point in high school, maybe. That's definitely the most recent. Mm-hmm. But like the voice acting is so good in this. I found myself looking up some of the actors on IMDb afterwards, wondering if they had been in other things. But most of the actors in this were not voice actors by trade. They just were actors who got this part in this cartoon. Oh, yeah. My favorite piece of trivia is E.G. Daly, the voice of Tommy, who went on to be the voice of many, many other characters, including Buttercup from Powerpuff Girls. But before that, I knew her as Elizabeth Daly, Dottie from Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I did not make that connection. She wasn't one of the ones that I looked up. That's awesome. Going back and watching Pee-wee's Big Adventure again, after I discover that, she sounds like Tommy, and it's actually pretty (laughs) hilarious. Like Grandma. Hello, Dottie. It's me, Pee-wee. Where are you calling from? Texas. Where? Honest. Listen, I'll prove it. The stars at night are big and bright. That's amazing. Like, she laughs at one point, and it's Tommy's laugh, and I'm like, whoa! Oh, now I've got to rewatch it with that in mind. That's amazing. I guess it was borderline kind of creepy, but but it was mostly funny <laughs> because it's it's a peewee movie, so... Yeah. Everything's kind of creepy and wonderful. Yeah. But the actress, I'm forgetting her name now, but the actress who plays Dee Dee, the mom, when she first spoke, I immediately had this feeling of oh, I've heard this voice before, not just on Rugrats. I've heard it other places. And I thought for sure I was going to look her up and find out she'd done all this other voice work, but not really. Like, she she certainly did a lot of other TV work, but nothing that I recognized. Huh. And I realized later that she was, she reminds me a lot of the actress who plays Pearl on Steven Universe, whose name I'm also blanking on right now. But something about her voice is very similar. It's that's purely coincidence. Hmm. So <laughs> it just threw me off. And I definitely, I, I think it's just this show is so iconic to me. Hearing those voices again, it tricked me into thinking I knew them from somewhere else. But no, I just knew them from Rugrats. Yeah, that's true. Tommy here is confused about his mom making pancakes in the nighttime, and he has yeah. to wear a quote-unquote funny hat. <laughs> and his mom lights a new candle every night, and he gets presents, so the kids conclude it must be Tommy's birthday, and they're celebrating all his birthdays at the same time. More than one night in a row. Makes perfect sense. Yes, so so Lil thinks, maybe you're all grown up now and you have to get a job. <laughs> Which is delightful. And then we have the most terrifying moment in the episode for a Jewish person. The children try to blow out the candles because they think they're birthday candles. And I was like, I actually had a, like a tense moment where I'm like, oh no, don't do it. Because you're not supposed to blow out the candles. If anyone listening is not aware of that part of the tradition, you light the Hanukkah candles and you let them burn down. This is true of candles in all Jewish traditions. Shabbat candles, Hanukkah candles, you let them burn down, you don't blow them out. So I had this actual moment of like tension where I was like, they're actually going to blow them out, are they? Oh, I had a moment of tension, but I didn't even think about that part, even though that was a, a fact I knew. I was more 
concerned about like, oh, why is there fire that close to tiny unsupervised children in a high place? Well, I mean, they put it out of reach of the kids. You know, that's I think that's fair. What I was more concerned about is they then leave the house very soon afterwards and nobody checks to make sure the candles are already burned out. That seems even more dangerous. I mean, the candles are not short in that shot of the menorah. They want it to look really beautiful. So the candles are like at full height. So it's like they just lit them. Dangerous stuff, Rugrats teaching kids bad lessons about candle safety. Maybe I was overthinking that because I'm (laughs) used to being in this Rugrats universe where the babies are geniuses and climb over everything. So, of course, they're going to climb on the TV entertainment center. Wow, remember those? Mm, Yep. (laughs) (laughs) There's a reference to that again later. It's like, oh, so 90s. So 90s. But yeah, that's, uh, I, I don't know. I was more concerned with them leaving the candles lit. Yeah. That was just dangerous. But you're a parent, so it makes sense that you would think. Could oh, be. No. <laughs> <laughs> All I have to worry about is my cat trying to get at the candles, you know? And he's not a, he's not as clever as the Rugrats. <laughs> I don't know. My manager has a cat, and she put up her Christmas tree, and it's a new cat. So she's worried about him just knocking it over, because... When she put it up, he was just all excited and, like, jumping up and down. Like, look, look at all of these balls hanging from this tree. This is paradise. Oh, yeah. Now, my roommate uh, got a little Christmas tree for our apartment. It's just, it's about eight inches tall, and it's made of gold tinsel. It's very cute. But my cat has only knocked it over once, but he has chewed on it a lot. There's gold bits of tinsel all over our apartment now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thankfully, Angelica shows up, shoves them all out of the way to relative safety, (laughs) and explains those candles are for Hanukkah. Oh, no, but she says they are for Hanukkah. Oh, that's right. Because, iconic line, you have to when you say it. (laughs) And so they all practice their in Hanukkah. That line, like, that is the one part of this whole special that I had perfectly seared into my memory. Because as kids, we were like, yes! Somebody tell the Gentiles that you have to <laughs> when you say it. Just that was one of those little details that no other show, you know, got no. right about Hanukkah. That's what the C's for to remind you. Yeah, it's not like I always when I say it because I'm, you know, I'm pronouncing it in in an English in an American accent. Right. <laughs> you don't always have to, but you know, it helps. It is technically Hanukkah. There it is. Of course, Tommy asks, harmonica, does that, does that count on your babyism count? Oh, yeah. I put that on the babyism count for sure. Beautiful. Hanukkah, harmonica. That might be, mm, is that my favorite? I don't know. It's either that one or the next one where Angelica explains Hanukkah is that special time of year between Christmas and misgiving. <laughs> yep. When all the bestest holiday shows are on TV. And yeah, that's accurate. I'm like, I feel you, Angelica. Never thought I'd say that as an episode. <laughs> Yeah, Angelica is definitely very uh, TV motivated. So she pushes the children out of the way, not to save them from the candles, but because she wants to watch the Cynthia, I can't remember what she exactly calls it, the uber awesome Cynthia extravaganza of Christmas specials or something like that. She's very excited to watch this show. That's what she calls it. But then later in the episode, the the TV itself just refers to us as a very Cynthia Christmas. Done. But it's Angelica, and she likes to elaborate and over-elaborate. She's been known to make a bit of a meal out of a saying that should have been a lot simpler. Yes, (laughs) just embellish it a little. Uh, The time of year between Christmas and Misgiving when all the bestest holiday shows on TV was the runner-up for the tagline of this podcast before I decided to borrow from Sam the Eagle from the Muppets a salute to all holiday specials, but mostly the Christmas ones. 
<laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. But I'm glad I got Hanukkah in here. Meanwhile, Stu's in his basement with his dad tinkering together a giant menorah for the play, and it's this giant gaudy mess featuring a calliope and oh my fireworks pinwheel and some russian dancing men yeah it's uh it's it moves it lights up it plays havana gila it's very very elaborate and grandpa says you know aren't, don't you think you might be overdoing it a little he wanted you know the rabbi just asked you to fix their menorah not reinvent it and Stu says you know i just really want to i just want to show Didi that i'm really supportive and i want tommy to be proud of his heritage and it's like i was just feeling this every single time somebody tries too hard to you know they're like oh i just want to show you that i just really respect your holiday and it's like <laughs> okay dial it back though <laughs> Just, just calm down with the little dancing men. So that was another part they really got accurate. Did they? Okay. Yeah. It reminded me of, and I sent you a video of this, there's this monstrosity right. at the Miami Marlins baseball park. Whenever they hit a home run there, and it's like giant Marlins swordfish like swimming out of there, and they play some music, and it's just, that's what it reminds me of. I watched that video, and I was so confused because I'm not a baseball person, and I was like, this isn't, like, normal for baseball, is it? This is weird. It's becoming Surely. a thing where all of the newer ballparks, and that's a very new ballpark. I think it opened in, in 2011 or 2012, where when the home team hits a home run, something spectacular has to go up. The Marlins have that. It's a giant thing. It's like, that gigantic. video. That, yeah, that video doesn't even give it justice of how huge that thing is in person. It, I mean, yeah, it looked, looked enormous. There's little j marlins jumping in the air. There's actual, like, spouts of water. It looked like something that should have been at Disneyland, not at a ballpark. Yes, it's this gaudy, gaudy mess, but it's very Miami. So, to their credit, sure. I mean, it certainly was on par with this ridiculous menorah that Stu built. Oh, yeah. Except his was supposed to be ridiculous in a cartoon for children. So, the Marlins don't have that excuse. No. Yeah. A, a lot of new ballparks have that. Uh, in New York, the Mets have, like, a big apple that rises out and throws out confetti or something. In Philadelphia, they have a giant Liberty Bell that bongs. But that that is way, way over the top, just like Stu's menorah, which, of course, explodes. And then Stu wants to stay and fix it and meet Dee Dee later, quote, at the church. <laughs> and then my favorite line that I didn't remember as a child, but as an adult was definitely my favorite line. When he shouts, oh, it just needs a little finessing. I'll meet you at the church. And Grandpa <laughs> shouts at him, it's the synagogue, Hanukkah boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I love that line so much, but it was great. <laughs> that is a good one. Oh, Castillo ends up getting stuck in what he thinks is traffic, but is actually a Christmas parade with floats. Yeah. And he's got the giant menorah strapped to the roof of this sedan, and Pop just sighs and shakes his head. The whole episode, he's like that, just, my son's an idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love that, but at the same time, boy, do I hope my dad hasn't been doing that about me my entire adult life. Yeah. It, well, what's funny is that he, um, oh gosh, you know what? You can cut that because I absolutely forgot what I was, where I was going with that se sentence. Sounded like I really had something to say, but yeah, it just well. jumped right out of my head. Like a marlin jumping through that little display. Oh, uh, well, now but, it's staying <clears> in. <laughs> shouldn't be, shouldn't be funny when I make mistakes. <laughs> But yeah, the the whole thing with the, uh, the with the giant menorah is just it just seemed like a perfect encapsulation of every time that somebody tries a little too hard to show you they're supportive of your special holiday. <laughs> well done, Rugrats. 
Well, now we cut to Angelica watching part of the Cynthia Christmas extravaganza special, and we see a commercial for a lovely action special I referenced at the beginning, Santa versus the Alien, featuring Santa firing a chimney-shaped bazooka into the mouth of a robot dinosaur, and I've never wanted any fake cartoon to exist more than this one. Yeah, that did look pretty great. And they established that the Cynthia Hanukkah special was coming. Oh, excuse me. Oh, we should be so lucky. The Cynthia Christmas special was coming after that movie. So established she had a little time to to still watch it. Because she gets torn away from the TV by Dee Dee, who says we're going to the Hanukkah fair. Which is, that's a little weird. Like, I don't know that a Hanukkah fair is like a thing. But like, sure, that's fine. I can let that go. Okay. I was going to ask you about that. They arrive at another babyism, the Cinema Bob. Yeah. And... It was a stretch. But, oh, oh, wait, we skipped over the most important part. Oh. The whole crux of the episode, the meanie of Hanukkah. Yes, I was going to get back to that, but okay. Well, that's before they get to the cinema, Bob. Yes. This is important. Yeah, uh, Angelica tur- has the TV turned off of her right as we see Cynthia, and it is a Christmas special because we see Cynthia in a very skimpy Santa suit. But she has to turn it off because everybody's leaving for the play at the synagogue. She doesn't care about the meaning of Hanukkah and the babies overhear that. No, it's Grandpa Boris who says he's still grumbling about Shlomo, his rival. That's right. Who's going to play King Antiochus in the play and poke him with his sword. And he's he goes, ah, the meaning of Hanukkah and throws the newspaper on the ground. And the kids hear that and see the picture of Shlomo and go, oh, no. That's the meanie of Hanukkah. Well, no wonder Grandpa doesn't want to play with him he's, he's, if he's a meanie. That's so cute. <laughs> and Chucky adds, you know, I had to play with a meanie at daycare. and He made me lick the slide, and then he hung me from the monkey bars, and then he buried me in the sandbox. And then Tommy asks, "What? well, what happened? He's like, oh, well, one of the, you know, teachers or whatever came and got me out of the sand and then made us both take a nap. So... Tommy realizes what they have to do. Yes, they make it their mission to put the meanie of Hanukkah down for a nap. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't so, so many problems, small, large, even global perhaps, be better resolved after a nap? I absolutely agree. In fact, I uh, would like to propose that when you're mad at someone on Twitter, take a nap as the new delete your account. There you go. Oh, I like that. (laughs) Take a nap. That's like the opposite of... Every person giving you the same marriage advice on the day of your wedding, never go to bed angry, <laughs> but I want a nap. <laughs> but I'm tired. Right? You know, sometimes you, you do need to rest. Yeah. I mean, make up and, and then snuggle and take a nap together or something. Oh, but, that's a good one. Yeah. There you go. I like that idea. It, it good works. Advice. <laughs> now, did you watch or were you involved in any religious place like this growing up? I don't remember... It's certainly not as much of a thing as, like, a nativity play is. Okay. Which, I guess I'm only assuming that's a thing from TV and movies. No, that... Uh, That's a real thing, right? That's a real thing. They have Christmas pageants, uh, at least at Catholic churches, I remember. Uh, They're usually at Christmas Eve. They'll do a children's mass where they'll do a sort of live nativity, sometimes even with live animals. Oh, that seems dangerous. Uh... You're asking for trouble. <laughs> they're usually pretty tame, uh, and they have them fenced off and everything, but they're kind of off to the side, not like kind of surrounding them as you would see in a nativity that's set up sure. on, on a table and stuff. Yeah, no camels, maybe. No, no camels. Just Maybe just some sheep. Yeah, sheep, a donkey. 
Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's about it. Gets it the, gets the point across. But yeah, I don't think it's not as much a thing. Although this didn't really, this did read a little bit to me as it's people going, oh, the normal structure of a Christmas special often involves a Christmas pageant. So we're basically yes. having the Jewish equivalent. But it didn't read as necessarily inaccurate. I thought it was kind of cute, the idea that all the seniors were putting on a play. That's kind of fun. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Now, during Hanukkah at a synagogue, do they have it set up like that, where it's kind of a big party almost with a bunch of tables set up? I mean, my uh, synagogue definitely had a Hanukkah party every year where they would make an absurd number of subpar latkes because they're not great when you have to make them on mass like that. Right. Uh, but, you know, they'd make a ton of that and they, they'd, they'd maybe have some music, maybe a band perform or whatever. They'd sometimes have like a white elephant gift exchange or some kind oh, of thing wow. like that. Some kind of games for kids to play, you know, dreidels, all that stuff. Yes. Not a fair like that. I've never seen that. I mean, maybe some synagogues do. It's, I don't think it's a thing. No guy dressed up like a giant dreidel? No, I've definitely seen a guy dressed as a dreidel before. That is, <laughs> that's definitely... That has happened. Oh, <laughs> I'm here to tell you that was not just for the joke. That's that's the thing. Guy dressed <laughs> as a giant dreidel? Absolutely. But, yeah, I, I think they were... It made me wonder... I don't know, actually, if the writers were Jewish or not. They certainly got most of it pretty good, so I'm not going to nitpick. But okay. It made me wonder if they, were, if they weren't Jewish. Were they, like... I've I've heard of some kind of a, a fair, and they were thinking of Purim or something. But hmm. you could have you could have a Hanukkah fair. I'm not going to say it's super impossible for that to be a thing. Right. <laughs> What's weird is that the side of the synagogue says the Beth Shalom Jewish Center, which made it sound like it was a community center rather than a synagogue. That's weird. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know huh. why they put that on there. Just put Temple Beth Shalom. That's normally what a temple would you know. It's called a synagogue, but we often people often use the word temple, especially in the name. It's yeah, right. So it's like mm-hmm. it just seemed weird that they called it Jewish Center, like they were didn't want to use the word temple for some reason. Well, I know some Christian churches will have uh, sort of a community center off to the side on the same property. Yeah, and it could be that, but they did call it. We're going to the synagogue. Yeah. So, hmm. and they show they show them in the synagogue you know they show the torah and the ark and everything so that's they're clearly at a synagogue okay that's just a weird little detail i was like what's that about but it's also keep reminding myself it's a kid's show sarah (laughs) most of the people watching the show couldn't read there you go yeah they show up and i love the bit where they do another pancake joke where everyone's confused about the fact that latkes are referred to as pancakes and they're not breakfast pancakes because uh Angelica is like, well, this isn't all bad. Cynthia and Mommy never lets us have pancakes for dinner. Although she has to take a bite of one before she realizes it's not a normal pancake. I think she would probably take one look at that and go, this doesn't look like uh, maple syrup would be good on this. Though to her credit, she immediately knows that it's a tapato pancake. Yeah. Right immediately after she bites in, she's like, tapatoes! What kind of Bobo Head makes pancakes out of potatoes? Which, I gotta say, Bobo Head, that is a very creative insult, Angelica. Well done. We gotta bring Bobo Head back, or... Yeah. I don't know if it was ever a thing, but let's make it a thing. Yeah, there Bobo you go. Head. It's right up there with Bojo from Back to the Future, too. Oh, I failed in my Back to the Future knowledge. I don't remember that reference. Oh, that's from part two, where he's trying to hoverboard over the water, and, and one of Griff's cronies... Says that. McFly, you bojo hoverboards don't work on water unless you've got power. 
All right. And that was supposed to catch on as a regular thing two years ago, and we failed. Yeah. Mark that under the many things that that movie got wrong about the future. Right. Bojo, not an insult that anybody uses. Nope. Wonder if they thought that was supposed to stand for something? Bojo. Like, I know, I can't think of anything. I think it was just more of a, let's think of a weird made-up word like dork. Yeah. That they could call somebody. Well, I got news for you. We're still calling people dorks. Yep. The good insults, they last forever. And we're still driving on the ground. But hey. And we're still having Hanukkah. Hooray! (laughs) But Angelica is tired of these tomato pancakes, so she decides to go find a TV to watch her Cynthia special. But not before throwing her latka. Steps over the guy dressed like a giant dreidel. Who slipped on her. Who comes up again in the second for another good quick joke. Is this the joke you were about to mention at the beginning? Oh, I don't, now I don't remember. (laughs) But yeah, she knocks him over and... Runs into him again, like, as she finds a TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, knocks him over this time. And then, well, first, she thinks she finds an entertainment center. Yes, which is such a great 90s reference. I just, people don't put their TVs in closets anymore, really, do they? No. I don't know anybody who does. I don't think so. No, they're all just either hanging up on the wall or mine are on a table. Yeah. Mine's on a dresser. Yeah, I guess they're smaller now, so we don't right. feel as much of a need to, like, inc- enclose them in furniture. <laughs> yeah, they were these big, giant cubes, so you had to put them in something. Yeah. If you want it to be on eye level, anyway. Yeah. But she thinks she's found a, an entertainment center, but it's the Ark. She opens it up. It's full of Torahs. And she's like, what is this garbage? <laughs> <laughs> the rabbi comes in, but she's out the door, then finds a TV on a janitor's closet and runs after it. But bumps right back into the dreidel guy again with my favorite joke of the episode. You! I broke a shin because of you! And it shows a little shin character on the dreidel with a bandage on it. I am embarrassed to admit that watching this... I watched this twice today because I wanted to make sure I kind of had it in my head. And it's only 22 minutes. But the first time I went, why does he say, say I broke a shin and then pointed his butt? That's weird. It's not where your shin is. Like, I missed the joke. Oh, then watching no. it the second time, I was like, also, why is the Band-Aid on the... Oh, it's on the shin. I'm I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone listening is unfamiliar with what the dreidel looks like, each side has a different letter. And one of those letters, the Hebrew letters, is shin. So, he broke a shin. He <laughs> broke a shin. It's a good joke. It's a great joke. It is my favorite joke. I just... Totally missed it. Oh, oh I'm, man. I'm, I'm sh- ashamed that it flew right by me. <laughs> Dock me five Jew points. Oh, dear. 50 points from Jewidor. <laughs> Hanukkah puff. Hanukkah puff. <laughs> Boom. And kind of takes Angelica's arm and walks her into the nursery where she can't cause any more trouble. Yeah. She's quickly joined by the babies who tried to attack the meanie of Hanukkah when he got up on stage. Yeah. And put him down for a nap once the play begins. Uh, So they're telling Angelica their plot to put him down for a nap, and that gives her an idea. You don't need blankies to put grown-ups to sleep. You need a TV. Yeah, you know how Grandpa Lou always, every time he turns the TV on, he falls right asleep? That is the most accurate description of every adult watching a television. I'll try to binge watch something, and halfway through the second episode, I am out. I almost wish I could do that. I'm, I, I, am a, I take a long time to fall asleep. Everything's got to be lights out, just the right uh, noise, you know, like white noise machine going. Like, 
my roommate falls asleep to TV and movies all the time. And I'm like, nope. If there's something on to watch, my brain is hyper-focused on the story. Alas. It, I'm I, not one of those grown-ups. I start like that, and then, nope. <laughs> asleep. Yeah. But they, uh, so they help her break out of the nursery. Because that's what the Rugrats do. They just break out of encasements. That's their thing. Despite the fact that there are only, like, three kids in that nursery, the old lady watching them totally doesn't notice. Nope. I don't even remember what she was doing. I don't think they, they don't even show her. They didn't come up with an excuse. They didn't show her being distracted or falling asleep or something. Nope. And she just, they just break out because they're rugrats and that's what they do. Back is turned and everyone's just oblivious of these tiny children they're charged with. But we cut to Boris and Shlomo getting into an actual old man fight on the stage. Yes. And they close the curtain on them as they air their grievances. And we have another one of our, uh, another Yiddish moment. I sk- we skipped one of them. Grandpa also uses chutzpah in the kitchen scene earlier. Oh. Which, in you know, means like, it's one of the hardest Yiddish words to translate. It's like balls, basically, in this case. He's like, ah, oh, the chutzpah on this guy. Yeah, that that's how I always uh, assumed it was, or, or it was translated to me as exactly that. Yeah, but then on the stage, when they're getting in their fight, Shlomo says shmigegi, which is like nonsense. Or, okay. Ugh, Yiddish words are so fun to say. They're fighting backstage, and here you have the big reveal. Boris goes, all my life you're upstaging me, and Shlomo says back, me, you're the one with always bragging my children this and my grandchildren that. And Boris fires back, you'd be proud of your children too if you had any, but no, you were too busy with your fancy pants business deal, which Boris thought Shlomo wanted. But of course, is that what you think? And here we find out that Shlomo's late wife couldn't have children, so all he had was his fancy pants business. Yeah. Well, With- the- it's not established whether it was uh, his wife's fault or his. He just says, we were never blessed with children. Uh, well, he blames it on the wife. or No, he just says, "Oh, okay." my wife Sadie and I were never blessed with children. Oh, I didn't catch the and I. Oh. I thought he was saying, it, okay, yeah, it was, all right, we were never blessed with children. Yeah. Well, that makes me feel a little better. That is not just, it's her fault. (laughs) That would have been kind of harsh, especially on your late wife. Right? Come on, Shlomo. No, we're trying to make him a good guy in this scene, not a bad guy. Yes. He's not the meanie, actually. He's a a good guy. He's always been jealous of Boris having such a wonderful family and grandchildren and all that. Right. Whereas all he had was his fancy pants business, which is, and that's how Shlomo emphasizes it. Does Shlomo run a pants shop? <gasps> oh my tailor? gosh, I hope I was thinking it was funny that they never address what kind of business he has. Headcanon accepted. He is just a, like a really he he started out as a tailor, that's a classic Jewish job, and then he built it up into like a men's warehouse kind of scenario. <laughs> but only pants. They only sell trousers. Hey. Shlomo's house of pants. Special <laughs> specialty shop. Yeah. But Shlomo, in a, in, a, in a fit of embarrassment and anger, takes off his crown and storms off, saying he has no one to share our tradition with anyway. And Boris rightly feels terribly at this part. So he gives the yeah. crown to some other guy who came in as a replacement or an understudy who prepared for the role of the king, of, of King Antiochus, and prepared a monologue, runs up on stage with a boombox. Such a weird bit. <laughs> and starts reciting, To be or... Maccabee! That is the question, and oh, man. 
Yeah, such a weird little... It's like they really wanted to put a joke about how theater people are silly in this special, and that's how they worked it in. (laughs) There you go. Between that guy and the old man fighting, this could have really ended in disaster, which, spoiler alert, it doesn't, but do you have any story... Like, what's the worst onstage mishap you've ever witnessed? Oh, you know, actually, the... One that comes to mind immediately, sadly, I was a part of. I didn't get to witness it from the audience. Uh, In high school, I was in a production of Bye Bye Birdie. And I played Ursula Merkel, the best friend of the lead character, Kim something. Kim. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, And this scene begins with Ursula talking on the phone to Kim and Ursula is visible first. You don't see Kim right away. And I was on this, we had this like, Oh, there's the whole uh, big song. The kids sing about being, uh, there's tons of kids on telephones gossiping about, did you hear about Kim and Kim and her boyfriend getting pinned and this whole song. And for that song, we had all the kids hanging from this like, um, shoot, what's it called? The big metal thing that you use to get up to the lights. Oh, the scaffolding. Scaffolding, thank you. Yeah, we had the scaffolding in front of the stage, and the kids were all hanging off of that with phones in their hands, singing their parts about, you know, gossiping about Kim. And then at the end, all the kids get off of the scaffolding, except me. I'm on the very top of the scaffolding. And they wheeled the scaffolding off to the side of the theater, which was terrifying already. I was already like, oh, God, please let me not fall off of this. And then they put a big spotlight on me. So I kind of can't see anything because there's a spotlight in my face. And I do my whole monologue about, oh, my gosh, Kim, I just can't believe it. I just can't believe you got pinned to Hugo, your boyfriend, and blah, 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 blah. And then the end of the monologue, I direct the conversation to Kim. And I go look at the stage where Kim is supposed to be sitting there with her phone up to her ear. And our actress playing Kim was not there. She was not on stage. She had missed her cue. And I sat there absolutely frozen because what's going through my head at that moment is that as a child i really wanted to be an actress i wanted to be Mm -hmm. a movie star when i grew up and all i had heard about the kids stars that i watched in movies was they all seemed to get discovered because they did you know like they were in a play and i think christina ricci's story was that she got discovered by an agent because she was in a school play and she really had to pee on stage and she came up with some clever way to get off stage early huh. and they thought that was really clever i don't know if that's really real or not and then but that's a great story yeah yeah and then i think uh, joseph gordon levitt had a story like that or something where he uh, an agent saw him in a school play and he hmm. he did something he he hurt his leg and he came up with some way to get around it. I don't know. I'd heard that kind of story. So it's going through my head like, come on, Sarah, this is your moment. Something's gone wrong. You have to ad lib, of course. I mean, oh, actually, that, I was in middle school, actually, now that I think about it. I was like in seventh grade. Oh, wow. So I'm, I'm a child. I don't know how to ad lib. I don't know how to get out of this. So I just froze. And I'm sure it was probably only like 30 seconds, but it felt like an hour in my memory. Sure. Until Kim finally walks on stage, saying her lines as she walks up to the phone. I'm like, bet you could have at least waited till you had the phone in your hand. Right? (laughs) Still mad (laughs) at that girl. Imagine how that sounded on the phone. Oh, my worst onstage mishap was not uh, a production like that, but it was on stage, and it was me. I'm a senior in college. And I'm part of the freshman orientation assistants, and I'm on the stage with a couple of other guys, and we're doing the Apache dance from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Sure. And at one point, I apparently hit my head on a spotlight, and I'm told I just go down immediately. Because the next thing I remember, I'm outside lying down in another girl's lap, and she's got a gauze pad on my head. 
And well, not a bad I, way to wake up, though. No. Nah, yeah, well, <laughs> you're not wrong. I think of worse. I, I got little but not too little gash in my forehead, so that was fun. I'm glad that we both had <laughs> experiences where we were the ones who yeah. got in the... I honestly can't ever remember. I think that so- says something, though, right? That, like, the the mistakes you remember are your own. You don't really remember when other people screw up. No, of course not. It's, it's comforting. Other people never remember your screw-ups the way that you do. Right. Remember that, kids. There you go. Good life lesson. Children who are definitely listening to this podcast. Adults who are definitely listening to this podcast. That's true. Very good reminder. I apologize for the, the couple of cusses that slipped out to both the children and the adults. Yeah, well, my <laughs> kids don't listen to this yet. They're a bit young. Just a bit. But getting back to the show, uh, Angelica and the babies have finally found the TV and the janitor fast asleep. So Angelica, being Angelica, runs off with the TV to watch her Cynthia special and right into Shlomo the meanie of Hanukkah. Yeah. Chucky gets a good line in there, actually, where um, they're like, great, we have the TV. Now we can put the meanie to sleep. And Angelica goes, don't be stupid, babies. I'm going to use it to watch my Christmas special. And Chucky says... Well, who could have seen that coming? <laughs> Chucky getting real. Chucky, the the eternal negative baby. <laughs> who he also... Oh, no, this, that comes later. Never mind. Okay. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah. Now we have Angelica bumping in the slow-mo, and the TV falls and shatters. So she, in a rare Angelica moment, starts crying. Yeah. She, rare moment where she actually acts like a child. And is actually upset and not fake crying. She's like legit upset yeah. that she can't watch her special. Shlomo doesn't know right. what to do. We just established he doesn't have children and never has. So Yeah. And we have our next uh Yiddish example. He calls he says sha sha, which is like a, a term of endearment. He's he's at least kind of trying to calm down a child, but he doesn't okay. really know what to do. Yeah. yeah, he's picking her up and desperately trying to console her, but the other babies think he's attacking her because it's the meanie of Hanukkah. Right. So Tommy decides to put the meanie to sleep by getting out a story to read to him. So he walks up with a book about Hanukkah and tries to show it to him. That's where Boris finds the whole scene and just casually says, they want you to read them a story. Come. But they're your grandchildren. No, no, no. He wants you. Boris understands. Yeah. Boris picks up Angelica to calm her down and tells Shlomo, come on, read the kids a story. So they go to, because they're behind the the stage. They're behind the curtain right now. Right. Audience sees none of this. Yeah, they they sit on the remains of the set of the play. Uh, Boris is comforting Angelica. Shlomo takes the book out, puts his glasses on, and the kids all sit down to listen to him read the remainder of the Hanukkah story that we got interrupted from earlier in the episode. Yes, we cut back to Tommy's imagination where the revolt is over, but the city is left in ruins and the temple's menorah was broken. And Shlomo explains all about the menorah. Yeah, he calls it... The, it's like the nightlight of our people, which is very cute. Yes. Cute, cute way to explain it to babies. <laughs> In times of darkness, it shines on the whole world, reminding us not to be afraid to be different and to be proud of who we are, which is, is very endearing. And I thought they did yeah. a, a wonderful job of that. Yeah. And Boris even says like, oh, that was pretty good, Shlomo. You just came up with that on your own. They they like they're like instantly friends. I kind of love it. Boom. He call he refers to him as to the children as listen to your uncle Shlomo. Uncle Shlomo. Like it's so cute. Because <laughs> Boris felt bad before then, and now he he's really trying to make amends here, and he just yeah. did a bang up job without trying to go over the top with it, and he just yeah, it all just fell into place perfectly. So Boris finishes the story with Shlomo and 
There was only enough oil left to burn for one night, but it lasted for eight. It's a miracle. Yeah. And that's babyism number. I lost count. That's number eight, eight, nine, nine, nine or ten at this point, actually. I think there were some I didn't include in my count, but I, I do like when in the in the baby's story, in the their imagination, when yes. one of Phil or Lil, I think, says we we need a or Tommy says we need a mirable, and they say what's a mirable? And he says it's when something that you don't think will happen happens. And Chucky says, well, that'll never happen. And <laughs> <laughs> catch that. So they're waiting through the eight days, and you see Phil and Lil tossing a football. Yeah. In in ancient Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah, and playing cards and yes, you know. Uh, every night, the menorah stays lit. Perfect baby imagination. And the story yeah. puts the meanie of Hanukkah to sleep. Success! Yeah. He actually does fall asleep <laughs> right on Tommy's head. Beautiful. And then uh, right at that at that moment, uh, Stu and Grandpa finally show yes. up with, with the ridiculous giant menorah, which they wheel out on stage and attempt to set off. And, of course, it explodes it knocks over the curtain. The curtain and the menorah both fall over, and the whole audience sees the two old men and all the little kids sitting with. Oh, they 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 find a menorah backstage, and they set it up and actually light it to show the children. Oh yes. And so the audience sees these two old men sitting on the set with the kids and the storybook and the menorah all lit, and they go, "Oh, it's it's our moment or something." They stand up and. Shlomo kind of reiterates that's something about the meaning of Hanukkah. Oh, he wings it. May our kindle carry the light of our people for generations to come. And Yeah, there's our our last uh, item on our Yiddish count. Kindelach is children. Okay. I probably could have guessed that one. <laughs> Stu gets off on the luckiest break ever here. Yeah. <laughs> that looked like it was intentional and it would it disaster. Yeah, he could have destroyed the evening, but instead, he somehow led to this very tender moment where Shlomo has a nice little thing about the meaning of Hanukkah, uh, Boris says the prayer over the candles, and everyone applauds, and it's very cute. Yes. Well, if people want to wheel a giant monstrous menorah into your neck of the internet, please tell us all of the places where we can find you and what you're doing. Oh, where you can find me? Yes. My, and me and my, my all my giant menorah gags. Uh, I have a Twitter, um, the Sarah Shea on Twitter, uh, or you can follow my podcast at Pilot House Pod. I don't know how much we're going to be tweeting yet, but at least we will tell you when there's new episodes up. And uh, yeah, also you can check me out on sarahshea.com. I'm a musician. I have music. Um, I have a Patreon and all that good stuff that independent artists have to try and make it in this cruel, cruel world. <laughs> Please check out Sarah. She's a longtime friend of mine. I'm so glad you could come and join me tonight. Yeah, th- we have been friends for like 15 years, and this is definitely the longest we've ever talked. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, I think we've talked on the phone maybe once or twice before, but definitely, yeah, but never definitely this long, not this so. long. Thank God for podcasts, you guys. Bring it right? closer together. So glad I decided to do this. So glad you were on board. This turned out great. Yeah, Thanks thank so you much. so much for having me. I, Absolutely. Delightful. Anytime. If we can do this annually, if you can show up again uh, around Passover time, I'll gladly do this again with you. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'd love to talk about the Passover special for sure. That'd Beautiful. Be great. All right. Penciling you in right now. Okay. There it is. I'm ready. But for now, light another candle. Good night, everybody. Good night. Next time in the Advent Calendar House. Podcast.
Rushmore. Joey O is back with a local favorite from Pennsylvania So Nice, they recorded it twice. It was kind of like watching Vince Vaughn's Psycho. You can find this show at adventcalendar.house and on Twitter at adventcalhouse. Please watch out for the icy patch.